Okay, so I will say welcome to the conversation. I, outspoken and opinionated. I am the outspoken and opinionated host, Edwin J. Meyer. Today I have three couples with me, and we're about to talk about love, really black love, within this pandemic. And what I'm trying to do is to have these conversations with different couples so that we can see what happened with them during quarantine. Um, quarantine has made multiple couples examine their relationships more closely or nudge them to self-isolate, while many had a partner to prove through the quarantine, others had to adjust to this new norm. According to the Daily Mail, the divorce rate in America soared by 34% during COVID-19 pandemic, with marriages literally crumbling three weeks into quarantine and newlyweds separation doubling to 20%. But today, I have the newlyweds, Michael Cooper and Larissa Cooper, who literally went into quarantine right after the wedding. Um, and they're not only newly wed. I don't know if they don't want this news to be out, but I'm going to put it out there. They're also expecting new couples. So they're expecting a baby. They got married, went into quarantine, and now they have a baby on the way. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I have you. Augustus and Chinilo Kokoya, who are almost two years in the marriage, um, and then I have the veteran couple, Yay. Ray and Wincy Williams, who've been married like five years. So I, I you know, I, I take up all my flights to them. I'm like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what black love looks like. For those who haven't seen black love, this is what it is. I have some strong black people on here who have been holding it down. And so we're just gonna dive right into the conversation. So my first question to everybody, <coughs> How are you guys doing? And I would start yeah. with Echo and Larisse. How are you guys doing? You guys can decide who's gonna go. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, Michael. <laughs> I'm doing well, <laughs> doing fine. Okay. And just for clarification, Michael is actually like calling from Liberia. He's in Bopolu. And Larisse is Bopolu. in New Jersey. So this, this 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 couple is they're real serious. They got married when they quarantine, she's pregnant now. They're in two different countries. So I don't know what's going on. They gotta explain this love thing to us. I thought they had a falling out, that's why they had two separate cameras. Oh, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> DJ, as you so. said, we're expecting. So uh -huh. I had to stay in America until I deliver, and Michael had to go back to work in Liberia. That's why. So. I work with the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, and I'm currently on a field mission in Barbalu, working with uh, women farmers. And yeah, so I'm glad the internet connection worked, and um, we're here. <laughs> okay, well, if you guys don't have your drinks, I have mine. Oh yes, you do. <laughs> okay, and I'm that was a lot for me. There you go. Okay, so then I will go to the Williams. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. First, yeah, we're doing great. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I think my my, my time's worth what one fifty to two hundred per hour. My wife, so that's three. Who do I send the invoice to for this hour? You can send an invoice to you your collections, and we will send you out. My people will send you out. Okay. You can put it on there. Y'all see what I have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with the Kokoyas? How are you guys doing? 
Oh, we're, we're doing wonderful so far, you did. You know, you. And I can see that Melanie popping. That's that's amazing. But have you guys learned anything that you probably would not have learned without this pandemic? And I will start with the Williams. Did you learn anything, Wednesday? Did you learn anything about Ray? Ray, did you learn anything about Wednesday that probably you have not learned if this pandemic had not happened? Um, what I would say is not that I learned anything new, but it's just made me like just reevaluate like our relationship and just to know that I know it's pretty much gonna sound cliche, but I pretty much married my best friend. This is somebody that I actually look up to him in terms of the direction he's leading our family. So it was like that's something that I had to like kind of just focus on and then was like, wow. I actually marry a good man. <laughs> well, me, um, she makes me feel safe because I worked all the way through the pandemic. And so once I come home, I have this safe haven, if you will, that my wife created for me and my daughter. So I learned that she makes me feel safe as a man. You know, and it's hard because as a man, you have to provide, you have to make sure you're the strong one. If you ever bump in the night, you have to go down there and check it out. But for her to make me feel safe in my manhood, it's priceless. Okay, so... Um, what did you guys, Chinelo, did you learn anything new about Gus? Gus, did you learn anything new about the beautiful Chinelo? <laughs> um, I mean, like, I, I would say throughout the pandemic, you know, I mean, I've always known Gus, I've known him since we're in the third grade, but being that you know, with the quarantine, you couldn't do anything but just stay in isolation for like the first few months. It made me know that we can do anything together and through any difficult time, you know, we can overcome that and get through. And I felt like this was like something where I realized we could do anything together and still have fun. It didn't matter if we're doing anything big, just the little things, like just playing games, you know, like Uno and laughing about it, you know, just little things. It doesn't have to be working up together, you know, just is pretty active, you know, he's always working out. I try my best whenever I can, but you know, even work out in the home, you know, and just have fun. Um, so I think throughout the pandemic, it made me more like best friend, you know, we get through anything together. So it just made me know that, you know, I have a, a great man and my best friend. So. So, Gus, did you learn anything new? Yeah, pretty much just to echo a lot of what she said. I mean, I've known her for quite a long time. So nothing really, uh, you know, different outside of what I already know about her. You know, I just know, for me, I'm a, one thing I, I did learn, maybe, I'm a procrastinator. That's something that I, I struggle with, <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's more of a planner. So a lot of things... Um, you know, to kind of get started. You know, when we, we had a lot of time, obviously, with the pandemic to discuss future plans and things like that. So she would, she would most, for the most part, take the you know, initiative to kind of you know, get that started. And, um, you know, she's always sweet, as she's always been, uh, as I've known her. And, um, yeah, same thing. I mean, she's, she's my best friend, she's my wife. So we, we had a good time with the extra time uh, together. Okay, great. So your volume is a little low, Kokoya, so you probably want to put your volume up. Okay. Um, so Larissa Michael, 
you guys learn a lot. So y'all need to, I know y'all learn something. Something happened. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Yeah, Michael, I'm going to call you out. So what did you learn? Um, I learned that we have a baby on the way. Um, <laughs> but um, um, I would like to think, so we've been together almost five years now. So we share a lot of things, but I think I would, put a lot of emphasis on gestures and being affectionate. So even though being confined in the same space and having different work times, because Larissa's was still working, she's still working with her organization that she works with. And so she keeps different hours because she's working Liberian time. So even though we're in the same space, we're enclosed, you still have to find times to like um, have special moments or gestures you know, whether it's lunch in the living room or setting up like, um, I tried to do a, a picnic on the back, in the backyard, but then it rained. So we had a picnic in the living room. So that worked out. Um, but yeah, just things like that, but nothing really new, but just paying more attention to trying to be more affectionate as, you know, you don't just let the days pass. Mrs. Cooper? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that I learned anything brand new because like you said, we have been together for almost five years. We lived together before, both in Liberia and in New York. So I think we kind of like have learned each other and know like our, our different habits <laughs> and cohabitating. But um, I think one thing that I did figure out in the quarantine was like the importance of just having, like you said, like spending time together and having personal time because the way that we were quarantining was very abnormal in a, in a way like we weren't quarantining in our own space we we're quarantining with family because as you know like we live in Liberia and so obviously right after the wedding when we flew back into the states from Cancun everything was like shut down there were no flights to go home so we literally were quarantining at my sister's house and we just had to you know thank God for family but at the end of the day like we still had to make the best of it and you know not being back like in our you know marital home and having to deal with like having very minimal privacy and trying to like, you know, make everything work. So I think what I learned, not necessarily about him, but just about like our our marriage was like the importance of like spending time together and just trying to find ways to like still be intimate even when, you know, there's like family and there's like all this other stuff going on around us. Yeah, cause I was gonna ask that question cause I don't know, I don't know. It's a hard thing for me. I just like to be free. I'm like a wild animal. <laughs> How free are we talking? Anyway, but this is a this is supposed to be censored, so I will try to keep it because I, I, I appreciate it if I keep it PG. Yes. Thank you, sir. Okay, so well, I think. Okay, I'm not gonna think. I'm gonna ask. Everybody on all my guests, did you guys all live together before you get mar got married? We did. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, we all we did. did. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I, I personally think that part is pretty crucial to before mm -hmm. you marry someone. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I'm she found out I was not like a dirty person, I guess. <laughs> like I cleaned up after myself. Um, and I found somebody that I could live with and be comfortable with in your space because your space is important, especially growing up and being 
Um, so I was the only child for a while. And um, that personal space was very important to me. So to bring somebody into that space, because she comes from such a big family, um, that was a big step for me. So being as comfortable as I am with her now was very much more, it, it kind of like solidified that this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life because I'm comfortable with you, whether we're in Liberia, whether we're in New York or wherever we are. So that was key for our relationship. And that is really important because I know for me, so I, I, I was not able to meet the five year mark, kudos to the Williams. So I was married, got divorced before hit five, like almost five years. But that's one thing I will say, I think, First of all, my ex-wife is amazing. She's an amazing mother. She's an amazing person. But I think probably if we had lived together, I think we've been able to deal with some of the issues that we had. Not saying that was the only issue, but some of the issues would have helped us if we had lived together before getting married. But of course, you know, um, according to the Bible people, you're supposed to not shack up before you get married because, you know, it's against all the rules and regulations, but as we can see, it, it works. And like I always tell people, I say for some people it works and for some people it don't work. Marriage isn't one size fit all. Um, everybody has to do what works for them. So if it works for you guys, I'm happy. I think this time around, I'm going to probably pack up before I get married. No, but it's, it's hard to do it the traditional way in 2020. So you have to kind of test drive the whole vehicle, to kick the tires, make sure everything's up to par. Oh, I got to think on that. He said test drive. But just to it's clarify, so true. on the whole, um, not with the whole Bible people of not shacking together, we did go through um, counseling prior to being married. And so like the pastor is actually able to kind of clarify that a little bit, where is more. So it's not the it's not wrong for you guys to live together. It's the simple fact of being tempted to fornicate. So just to clear that part out, and I'm just gonna leave it right there. That's it. <laughs> and I will say something else. You don't have to live together to be tempted to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't think that's. But anyway, that's my opinion. My, and you know, I'm outspoken opinionated. So, you know, I have a lot of opinions, but I will leave that alone and I will yes. move forward before I get my little show taken down. <laughs> but what I want to ask you guys is, were there any fears? So like for Michael and, and Larice who were leaving Cancun, came to the States, you go into quarantine with family, Wincy and Ray, uh, Ray's working, Wincy's staying at home. They have a little girl, can hear, they have a baby, little girl can hear in the background. Um, Gus and Chichi, were there any fears? And I say this because I want to put context on it. We all work eight hours a day. So that means we spend eight hours apart from each other. When we get home, somebody making dinner, somebody probably catching up with friends, you kept watching your TV show. By the time we look, it's nine o'clock, 10 o'clock time for you to go to bed, you go to bed, whatever happens the next morning, do the same thing. Now it's quarantine and you guys are in each other face 24 seven. Augustus and Chinelo, were there any fears? Well, I mean, I mean, with quarantine, I mean, the whole concept of personal space, I mean, that's out the window because you have, like you said, 24 hours to, you know, be in each other's face while she's working. I mean, you were hearing her work, you know, whatever's going on there while I'm working, uh, you know, she's hearing what I'm doing. So it's, 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 
it can get pretty uncomfortable in certain situations. And I'm uh, to your first uh, statement about the divorce rate. I'm sure maybe I can understand why a lot of those relationships probably have issues. But um, for us, it was just you know, even though we're confined, you know, just we still had time to do our own thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she likes to read. Quietly, I like to watch my sports center. So, obviously, when she's doing the movie, you know, like, to the max. You know what I'm saying? So, we still respect her, uh, had those boundaries where we allowed each other to do their uh, our own thing. Um, you know, just to manage it. And I think for our situation, we're more comfortable with each other. Um, I enjoyed being around her. So, there wasn't anything where, you know, can't stand this person, like I need to get out the house. So uh, we made it work and, um, you know, had, had, you know, had our personal time and then we Yeah, and um, I would say, like, for us, um, I know the other couples, you know, they have partners who had to, you know, leave the house during this time, this quarantine time. But um, with my job, I'm in the education field. So we work remotely. You know, everything happened. We, we you know, started working from home. I started working from home. I started working from home as well. So, um, although we're in the health institution, happened, nobody knew what was going on. You know, this pandemic hit everybody, caught everybody off guard, basically. So, it's like we kind of get information, like what's going on. At the same time, you know, you kind of be safe. Um, so, that we, you know, the other person, that you're with us, we're in the house, but you don't want to spend all your time inside. Like we have rooms in the house. So you know I'm working, like I'm working or you know, in a classroom or something like that. That's what being the other room doing something else. So we can respect the space and then you know we're out of access to everybody, new for us. You know, like we'll go downstairs and then we like wear a mask, you know, like you can't go anywhere without your mask. So you know just Leaving the house, even though we're inside, we're walking, taking walks, very comfortable, and that was relaxing mentally. I think for us, like Gus, like winning, but you know, it's still yeah. I didn't do the best, but I still try. But you know, just finding things, you know, being safe at the same time, um, making it work as a couple. But it's just us. Everybody. Every couple is not the same. So people do things differently that works for them. Exactly. So Wincy and Ray, were there any fears going into quarantine? The fear that I had um, for the family is pretty much trying to figure out my income. Because I'm an event planner. And so with everything being shut down, it's like my job is like, okay, everyone needs to go and lay off. And then not being able to, I don't want to say maintain our lifestyle, but not being able to have that steady flow of income coming in. And you have to worry about unemployment and all the issues that's going on with unemployment. I think I actually had to wait like over a month before I got my first payment. And so just thinking about the bills and then also thinking about making sure we had enough money to cover food and everything else. And then the only other fear I really had was by being home, you're watching the news 24-7. And you're seeing like all the reports about COVID, the numbers are increasing and everything. And then I'm worried about him going to work. He's interacting with people and then he's coming home. And then I have a health issue. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like, is this how I'm about to spend my last days? Like what's going on? <laughs> so just the fear of not knowing like what's going to happen. And then just trying to like, just 
just kind of stay away from watching the news for a while and then just watching movies and things like that of that nature. Okay. Uh, me personally, just the unknown, just not knowing what's going on, which way it's going to go. You don't know if it's going to be the, you know, the day of the zombies or it's just a hope. That was the only thing, just the unknown. But as time progressed, you realize that we'll be okay. You just gotta get through it. Yeah, so for those who are watching, we are in pandemic. We're in this coronavirus. We are doing everything at home. So if you had not realized, um, the Williams got a little one. And so she is, there she is. There she is. So this is it. This is the, this is the norm. This is how life is. But I will go to Michael and Laris. Were there fears? I don't know. I feel like... There were, okay, so my one fear was that we were going to be quarantining with family. And I was like, hey, girl, I really hope that <laughs> we're able to like maneuver the situation <laughs> being with family. I hope that Michael's going to be good. I hope that they're going to be good. But it all turned out to be fine because, again, they, you know, everyone had already met each other. We had spent like holidays and stuff together. Um, of course, this was extended <laughs> longer than a holiday, but we managed to like figure out emotion so that was fine and then of course finding out that we were expecting was also scary because it was like wow okay we just got married like five minutes ago and now I'm finding out that like I'm pregnant so what does this mean you know for like our relationship you know because I feel like a lot of times people are like when you get married you should wait enjoy your marriage and then get you know start to try to have kids later and we obviously did not so I was I was just like nervous about that but Michael has been you know super supportive both when he was here and when he was leaving and since he's been in Liberia so I feel like we've really been putting our best foot forward and like managing quarantine pregnancy being newlyweds the whole night yeah. um just to I guess echo off her and keep it short um we had I already met her family and I want everybody over like quite easily actually in the first month of this relationship. Back in like 2015, 16, I like won them over. So we're perfect. Um, her oh sister is actually <laughs> married to a Cooper. So it was funny, we're all in the household and we're all Coopers now. So, <laughs> um, so it was good in the Cooper household. Um, no real fears, I mean, um, we did want to kind of get back home. We had plans, um, travel, but obviously with the COVID and everything that was happening, um, thanks to her sister, uh, my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, everything went really well. So there is no real fear. That's good. Um, where some of us had fears, I had a lot of fear. I'm going to be inside forever. I don't like to be inside. No like, day parties for you. I, like, I gotta go to my brunch and all them. How am I gonna get uh, exactly? There we go. But I will tell you guys. So we left um Mexico, came to the states. I was in Mexico and I got an email from my job telling me that we were shut down and we're going into they were going into quarantine. So when I got back, I realized that total wine was open. I stack up. I think we spent almost two hundred dollars. Oh wow! I was drunk every day. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, like it was, it was a good time. Even though was, we were, was, I was, was a drink challenge for you. Know, 
I was paranoid with people, you know, vetted, uh, people coming over and we going over and stuff like that. But and then having a seven year old, it's uh, it's that's even worse because you're like, okay, he's a child. Like, if we go to the store, is he gonna um, get out the car? Is he gonna stay in the car? Then the police gonna come. Like a lot of things. <laughs> and you're so confused because you don't even know what to do. But I had multiple meltdowns. There was one time I can swear to God, I thought I had COVID-19. I had all the symptoms. And I don't know it was my imagination, but I had several meltdowns. So I'm going to go now to ask you guys. And you guys can jump in whenever you want. Like, anybody had a meltdown? You need to tell. We want to know what the meltdown was. No, I listen, I had, <laughs> I, I don't know if I had a meltdown, but I definitely was nervous because... In, so we decided to celebrate Juneteenth. We were in quarantine the whole time, didn't see anybody. And then we decided to finally see people for Juneteenth. So we went to Philly, got an Airbnb, stayed with friends. And I feel like it was a nice time. You know, it always starts off with, we're gonna wear a mask. Nobody's gonna embrace, nobody's gonna do this or that. Obviously I was the only one not drinking. Everybody else was drinking. So by an hour or two in, everybody's <laughs> all sitting on the couch together touchy-feely. So when we came back from that, I was like, okay, I'm officially going to die um, <laughs> because nobody was like social distancing. So I feel like that was like a scary moment, but obviously we're here. So praise God. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I know me personally, I, we didn't have any scares, but a couple times I came home, I felt I had to separate my wife and my daughter because them just living together day in, day out, I thought I was going to have to separate a fish fight. <laughs> but that was the only <laughs> yeah, that was, I think that was my meltdown. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> our daughter, she's four. And so I've never been the stay at home type, like, stay home mom. I'm always active and, like, I'm always thinking about the next thing to do. And so just having to be home, and then I want to, like, make sure that I have to work on her schoolwork, make sure she can write her names. And this little girl's talking back to me. <laughs> and I'm like, Sometimes I forget she's my child. <laughs> and I kind of like talk to her like she's the adult person. Like, listen, we're not going to be going back and forth. Yeah, she tell you what she's not going to do. Yes. And so when he comes home from work, I'm like, yo, take your child. Like, I need my me time. And that was like my meltdown point where it wasn't so much of her, but it was just waking up and doing the same thing every single day. But it was just like staying in the house. You wake up, you brush your teeth. You make breakfast, you do school work, you exercise, you just like talk on the phone, you watch movies. It was the same routine every day. Like I couldn't even go outside to get fresh air to see anybody. And I just like, I just had it. Like I went in the bathroom one night and was just crying. The next day I, I sent a long email to my boss. I was like, yo, like, I don't mind coming in. Like I like the windows, like just let me come out and do something. <laughs> but that was it. <laughs> Koyas, any meltdown? Yeah, I, I had some man, something I cough in December, my brother. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, yeah. I, I, I was I was certain I had you know the virus, you know, but it lasted so long. I mean, I went uh, went to see the doctor to prescribe uh, some medication, but uh, it didn't seem to work. So then, you know, I'm into my herbs. So I started doing a lot of you know ginger and all the other uh, things like that to try to help cure it. Um, over time, it went away, but I was a little, it was a scary moment for me. I just thought for sure, I said, look, man, don't tell me man, I can't get this thing. You know, first year in the midst of properly yet, yeah, and I'm about to have the, the virus. But thankfully, um, I didn't get tested because at the time, you know, there's still a lot of 
um, shortage with testing and things like that. So, um, I mean, I'm healthy now. I haven't had that those symptoms since then. Um, mm -hmm. Thank God, you know. So, and I've been able to keep my wife safe. She usually stays in the house a lot. I'm the one trying to still force her to go outside, you know, here and there. But, um, you know, we've been, we've been good uh, so far. Yeah, I was like, my my meltdown came because, you know, I've been in the house for a couple of months, you know, quarantine, everything shut down, no gym, be outside or whatever. Every day is in the house, in the house, doing mostly going outside for groceries. The only time you get your mean time. Your alone time in your car. Your car became my my my, my car became like my best friend. <laughs> I don't got see that guy still my best friend. Okay. But I mean, I'm just like getting out of the house, doing something. So the one time when the gym finally opened up, I think it was like early July, I went to a gym class, but it was outdoors in the parking lot. You still had to wear masks. So went to the class outside. Um, everything was good, you know, we had to go, you know, just to see people you haven't seen like three, four months, you know, was like, great. So came home the next day, I'm laying down, I get an email from the gym. They said somebody who was in the class had somebody, one of family member I came to with COVID. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm in the bed. I mean, I felt the moment I saw that email, I felt like I was going to die, you know, like, <laughs> because... I mean, I, I just started feeling all the different symptoms. All the symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to go in the other room because I was like, yo, you are a thing, girl. You got to go. 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 You got to I felt embarrassed, like ashamed yeah. people, like, to even tell people about it. You know, you know, I was like, I told, you know, the possibility, you know, yeah. Yeah. That I didn't come in contact with many people. It was just Gus. Um, I didn't go out anywhere to be around a lot of people to put them in danger. But thank God everything came back good. But it was just, you know, knowing that you might have COVID, you know, so that was like my only meltdown moment. Okay, we're getting some comments coming in. People are commenting on the show. Um, so we're now gonna go in so the real nitty-gritty, because I think you guys have been real cute on this show, and I don't like you. <laughs> so we're gonna be real. We need to be <laughs> I need some opinionated and outspoken people out here. So we need to talk about the real stuff that happened during quarantine. So let's talk about these arguments because I know there were arguments. Because if you're in the house 24 hours. There were arguments. So I'm going to start with Ray and Wincy Williams. <laughs> Let's talk about this thing. What really, what really went down in the house? Thank you. I don't know. The, I mean, the only <laughs> argument that I can really think that really got on my nerves, I would say, like I said, it was just the same old routine every day. And I tried to play like that housewife role. Whereas before he come in, I want to make sure at least the kitchen is clean or he has food to eat. But it's like waking up and you clean up every day. And then when you go to sleep and wake up in the morning, you see dishes in the sink again. Like that started to get under my skin. <laughs> well, she's a housewife, so if I'm not. They're going to start tagging me. But I know for that, like. Maybe after a month and a half, I had to realize that I was just tripping. 
like a lot because of everything that's going on. So I actually had to apologize to him. Sorry about that. I actually had to apologize to him, which is something I rarely do. <laughs> but I had to apologize to him to actually let him know that it was my fault that I was the one that was tripping over that. And let me I'll clarify the reason why she rarely you know apologizes is because more times than not, I'm the one that you know at fault or take it to a certain level that I shouldn't. Oh, look at them. Look, this yeah. is five years. <laughs> yeah, you know, here I'll take it to the extreme because my, I'm very sensitive. So she says that I'm like, oh, I have to win this argument by any means necessary. And just because you win, that don't mean it's right. So that's it. I had to learn that. Newlyweds in quarantine. Where is the Michael Cooper? Give me one juicy argument. I know that was a So Michael became addicted to Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> to the point where he literally like set up a whole station in my sister's basement <laughs> that was like his call of duty station literally like the table is still here um and yeah so we used to like argue about that because all this talk about oh we got to spend time together we need to do this and that is like you're downstairs playing call of duty all night <laughs> so that was that caused this, friction. This is the one thing I will say, okay? Have you ever tried playing Call of Duty with a bunch of Liberian people screaming in your ear where to go and what to do? It is the most hilarious <laughs> thing chaotic. in life. That is extremely chaotic. Left turn. Why are you? My man, I'm not done. What's going on? Where is it? I was like, yeah, okay. That sounds well, like a personal problem because I, at the end of the day, we were supposed to, like, there were so many times we were supposed to, like, watch a movie or do something together, and Michael would be downstairs yelling at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, these people really think they're soldiers. And, like, <laughs> we have a movie to watch. <laughs> like, so, I don't understand. So, and it changed, remotely, like, his sleeping hours. It was just ridiculous. Working remotely, um, our hours are definitely different, obviously, from working in Liberia. So, because we're four, at the time, I think it was five hours. So we started work maybe like 2 p.m. or so. And then like, so the time difference just made it that when she was working, I had a lot of free time. And so a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't you come on this and see, you know, if you'd like it. I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything. This was like probably the second month of the quarantine. And yeah, it, it, it was, it was it a social platform. <laughs> It's okay, Michael. I got addicted to rum and coke. It's fine. <laughs> Everybody got addicted to something. Like, now I can't even taste rum and coke because I think I didn't like to even smell it. <laughs> I did it too much. But Mr. Mrs. Kokoya. Well, um, more argument. Let me. So, for those who are watching, I'm gonna turn it into a librarian because I think that's when they will understand me. So, Koke, I give me some kind of argument. <laughs> um, my argument with us is, you know, I tell him, you know, with the whole COVID, you know, we're in the house, bonding, do all this together. So, the moment you know, certain places into another phase where you can go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like to smoke know, my little cigars. He, like, he, he not pick up the cigar thing. He can't be alone, you know? And one thing is, you know, no, no, you know, everybody need their own time. You know, he need your boy's time, he need your time or whatever. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm a very understanding person. I work with us. Okay. But 
my thing with Gus, the argument came because he would go, he would tell me, he going, oh, yeah, my girl, one more to Tiger, I'll be right back, okay? I felt <laughs> you know me with Tiger. Yeah, then we go and just get me a couple of things, you know, I come back, you'll be like, okay, and that's like eight something. Mm-hmm. So I go to like 11. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's 8 p.m. and 11 now. I'm like, well, Target, you cannot be in Target this long. What? <laughs> <laughs> what was the 24 hour Target? <laughs> you don't have a party Target or what? So yeah. I, 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 the line was long. Have you seen those lines? So when I called him, he didn't ask. He doesn't. He didn't answer at the time. But he would text me back. So I said, Well, why am I calling you? But you texting me back. And you're supposed to be in Target. You can pick up your phone in Target, you know? Oh. So, <laughs> so my, later he told me he ended up with he ended up in Silver Spring at you know at some cigar place, you know, outdoors smoking so. cigar. I'm like, communicate with me. I think that's a big thing. Communication, you know, and I'm sure the veterans in the marriage can <laughs> communication is key to success in marriage. That was one argument. You know, <laughs> about the extended hours at Target, sure. you know, because the thing is, you know, if you tell my wife, you know, I said, look, I'm going to go to Target. And, you know, sometimes I just may, you know, the, the boys might hit me or might just go sit down. To That's right. I should communicate, you know, you definitely should keep that open. Once in a while, you forget, my man, you know what I mean? And then you forget about the time and then. By the time you look, the wifey calling you, and if you don't answer, then it's a whole A short one, real quick. Simple things. This in the house, you know, the, the, the water bottle. You know, of course, now you're spending most a lot of time together. Oh, so yeah, the water bottle. The, uh, not the water bottle, the, um, the, water filter. the filter. So my wife has this big jug of you know, container, you know what I mean? And she fills that thing to the brim, and it's like, so she gets mad at me, my little small little bottle. I go, you know, put a little some water in there. Well, first of all, you know, make sure you throw that thing to the top. So I said, but when in comparison to your own jug, a <laughs> little piece of little thing here, you know what I mean? Why, why am I being, being uh, having to take this responsibility to fill this thing out every single time? You don't want to fill it. So anyway, I mean, not, nothing, nothing major though. Just you know, a little, little, little quick. And, uh, but that, and I think this is what it's all about because I think quarantine gave us all the opportunity to spend more time with our loved ones, to spend more time with our family members, um, to get, get to know our friends more. Um, we spend time on house party. Um, a lot of us um, argue about different shows. I know I enjoy Tiger King and I will watch and I continue watching. I mean, there are so many things that came out of this pandemic that yes, there were some low moments, but there are some high moments. We learned a lot of things about each other. You had time to reflect. Some people started a new business. Some people going to go back to school. There are a lot of things that happened. Somebody got pregnant. I mean, great things happened during this pandemic. But I want to move forward and I want to ask the female this question. So recently, if you guys were not aware, Taraji P. Hansen had an interview with Essence Magazine. And she said that she thinks it's time to fold the phrase strong black woman because she believes that the the scripture is dehumanizing and often used to minimize the pain of black women. 
most especially those who lose those who lose loved ones to Census Street violence. For example, she believed that what's happening now is this phrase of strong black woman um, is being used in the same way. It's like, oh, well, her son got shot or her son got killed. Well, she's a strong black woman. She will get over it. And so this is my first time really looking at the phrase a strong black woman in that context because we hear it all the time. Well, she's a strong black woman. She's going to deal with it. She's going to move on. So for these black women on here, I bring out this question. How do you define or understand that phrase, a strong black woman? And I will start with Wednesday. Me? You. Okay. Um, me personally... I don't really take offense to it. Like if someone were to call me a strong black woman, I would actually feel proud and be like, yes, in fact I am. Um, now I know for me, like without my mother being here and me being able to have a family and have a daughter and not having that direct guidance to say, okay, this is how you should raise a child. But just having my memory of my mother and saw like how she kind of groomed our family in a way I looked at her as a strong black woman. So, this quarantine actually just taught me how to like be able to manage my household and still be able to be that key factor within our role or within my household that I can be a good mother. And I'm still able to maintain a business. I'm still able to be a wife and be a good mother. So just thinking about a strong black woman is actually empowering to me, but I do understand where Taraji's coming from because everyone has a different opinion and it all depends on how they use that phrase. So in the phrase that you mentioned to say, oh, strong black women, oh, she's a strong black woman, it doesn't matter if she doesn't have feeling. I'm not looking at it in that sense. But somebody say that nothing, that's just negative. And I'm always trying to focus on the positive of it. So if someone were to say that conversation to me directly, I would just try to redirect them into like, what's the definition of strong? And then what's the definition of being a black woman? If you can overcome certain things and still be able to have find your happiness and still be able to kind of be like that role model, not just to your family, but to other people out there and be able to influence people, then I will embrace that phrase. Chinelo? Um, so um like I understand what Elijah means you're a little low. Okay. Now? Yeah, you Okay. So I was saying, you know, I understand where Taraji is coming from in a type of time now, you know, with the, with the whole movement, you know, with all the protests that's going on around now and, you know, around the world, actually, especially the United States. I'm um, saying where she's coming from, but like what Wendy said, because, you know, how the media projects that term, a strong black woman, it sometimes become negative and derogative because it makes it seem like that, that strong black woman is also angry. You know, and it's not, and that's what the immediately that's what I went to. You know, the only said she's a strong, angry black woman. You know, and it comes off negative sometimes. But it depends on the context because if how the person is saying it to you, it could be a compliment or it could be derogatory to that person. Um, so if somebody was to say it to me, um, it depends on that context. So if they say you're a strong black woman, I will embrace that fact because, like for me, I'm a go getter. You know, I'm very independent, you know, and that's how I was raised. My parents raised me not to depend on anybody to go to school, you know, get your education, get your job, you know, and focus on music. Because I think before you can offer anything to anybody else in society or anybody around you, I always 
try to tell my students, you know, you have to embrace yourself. Your self-esteem has to be there, you know? Um, and you have to be independent, know what you want, go after your goals. You have to chase your goals, chase your dreams. Don't depend on anybody for anything. Because at the end of the day, your education is all you have as a woman, you know? And women, we have to work extra hard to prove ourselves every day in society than a man, you know? Every day we go against men and men overlook women because they feel like, oh, we're supposed to be weak, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and we do the same amount of work or even more than a male in the job market or the workforce or whatever, but we're still looked upon as, you know, they are not on the same, they do the same work, but they're paid way less than a male. So if somebody says to me, I'm a strong black woman, I'll embrace it because I know what I represent. At the end of the day, it's all about how I take it, what I society, and how I feel. So all in all, you know, I, I can understand that it's all about the context and how the person says I'm crazy and strong. Okay, Mrs. Larry Cooper. Yeah, I agree with everything that the girls mentioned. I think that, you know, obviously like the the statement strong black woman holds a lot of weight. And I think that it's a positive statement. I think that there are a lot of odds that are stacked against black women. And I feel like we're always, you know, elevating and we're always overcoming. So I think that if someone calls you a strong black woman, it's a compliment. But I also understand that sometimes the connotation can be a little bit you know, inaccurate in the sense that people think that because you are a strong black woman that you don't need to be catered to or that you're not allowed to be sensitive or that you, you shouldn't be spoiled and that people shouldn't do for you. Even though I feel like strong black women do for everyone, sometimes we even forget about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is just something that people should remember. Um, obviously being pregnant, I've been reading a lot of different stats and even like in the, you know, the health industry, reading that, you know, Black women are like three times more likely to die during like childbirth than like any other race because, not because of access, but because, you know, they won't tend to you because they don't think that, they, they feel like you're a strong Black woman, so you should basically be able to like handle the pain and stuff like that. So I just think that, you know, strong Black woman is a good phrase. We just have to be um, mindful of like the context and how we use it and just remembering that at the end of the day, yes, we're strong, but we are human beings and, you know, we should also still be respected and catered to just like anybody else. And just to put context, and what I like to say often is like, I grew up with, strong, with a strong black woman, my mother, and I have sisters and cousins and friends and I have strong black women around me. So that phrase for me really um, comes off in a sense where it's shown the strength of a black woman in different ways. So a strong black woman um, provide for her kid, a strong black woman will deal with situations head on. Like for me, it's the strength of different things for, from that black woman makes her strong. But I want to ask the men on here, why did you choose this strong black woman that's next to you? Oh, Michael, the strong black woman that on my screen, she's on top of you. <laughs> <laughs> but why did you guys from black women, and I will start with Mr. Williams. Well, the, from the first conversations, I sense that okay, we can be good friends, even best friends, because we like certain things. We like to talk about people. We like to joke. We like to laugh. So I knew that we could be best friends, and that was important to me. So that's what really made me choose, you know, pick her. 
Oh. I had options. I had options, but I picked her. Oh, you had options. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All his options. <laughs> How many options? Yeah, I just oh, wanted. Yeah. I saw his options. They <laughs> they they couldn't get to you, right? No, but it was just like the certain the bond that we had, and I knew that she had an entrepreneurial spirit like I, so it was only in my best interest to engage her you know, or propose to her. Mr. Cooper, why the strong black woman? Um, so not to throw a wrench into your thing, so I'm gonna go with strong African woman. And to read, so growing up here, I was surrounded by a lot of strong African women. Some that are family that I feel like the ones that are more notably known, like um, Auntie Lima Bowie, Auntie May Yure, Auntie Molly Gibson, my mom, Auntie Fatu Ade. So I grew up with a mother who ran her own business since she was 23. Our family business construction would work here. And um, I always used to make this joke at um, school. I remember when I was in boarding school, like all these kids would be like, oh, my mom makes the best this, my best that. And like, my mom would probably hate that I'm saying this, but she never like cooked, not say, you know, because she was always like at work, like she was always like achieving her goals and providing for me. And we lived a pretty, very fortunate, you know, a good, um, a good life thanks to her. So I look at that strong African woman, all the challenges that they face from here and that's what I saw in my wife. Um, from the moment I saw her and we went to dinner when she tried to blow me off, but then it didn't work because you know, we're here. We went to dinner and we had a conversation and pretty much the whole uh, point of that conversation was, the, this is my goal for the next five to 10 years. This is where I see myself in life. And she pretty much emulated everything that I saw or wanted for my life in five to 10 years. It's pretty much like seeing all these strong African women in her being that she had accomplished so much already. And I could be like, listen, this is the path to happiness, financial freedom, um, love. And this is the woman that I want to be the mother of my children, because that's just how I viewed my mother and these strong African women that I grew up around. Um, so being around her and you obviously knowing her, I feel like it was the easiest decision I made. and. It was a thing that I wanted to do since 2016, which uh, might sound crazy, but three months into this, I told her, I was like, let's just go to our courthouse and get married. Cause I was like, this is just the person I want to be with. Oh. Yeah. And she also tried to blow me off for that, but it's okay. Look at that now today. They be trying to blow off. Mr. McCoy, tell us why that strong black? Well, I mean, it, like I think a lot of the fellas Michael just mentioned, I grew up a lot, around a lot of strong black women, African women. You know, my mother, um, I remember being the breadwinner at a very young age. I mean, just being the leader of our family and holding us down for um, a long time. And I spent a lot of my years with her and just seeing a lot of things that she endured as a woman, a single mother, you know what I mean? It just, um, you know, her strength has meant um, a lot to me. And then, of course, I have four incredible sisters who are much, uh, one older than me and the other three younger, um, just their drive and their determination. A lot of the obstacles that our women face in the world, I mean, whether in the workforce uh, or just in general, you know, their, their ability to kind of push through, achieve. And I saw a lot of those same qualities in my uh, Chi Chi, you know, when I, when we, you know, because we've been friends for a while, 
I remember when she called me one day, said she was going after her second master's. I said, Tell me, you got your last school business. <laughs> How many masters do you, do you want? But, you know, it was it was something that, you know, you know I admired, you know, in her. You know, the fact that, you know, she can set a goal, and not just academically, but whatever she puts her mind to, she just goes 100 miles an hour. And that was something that was really uh, attractive to me. And, uh, you know, I felt this could be someone that you kind of compliment me because. Uh, I have a lot of abilities, but sometimes I can be a little slow to push. And uh, she, she's more of a, you know, put the foot in the gas pedal and, and, and keep it moving as fast as possible. So, And then she's also sweet. There's a lot of other good things, but I like her job. I think that was one of the things that kind of caught, caught my eye. Amazing, amazing. But we got a couple of minutes left, but I would like to ask the couples. Um, our final question is, what can you tell other couples who are going through quarantine right now. Um, what, based on your experience, based on your black love that you have, what, how can you help other people who are watching or who will watch this episode? What is it that you can tell them to strive through this time? And I will start with the Kukoyas. Um, Well, I mean, just, you have to keep, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche. People talk about communication. I mean, I think that's really important. I mean, especially during these uncertain times because you don't know what's happening. I mean, a lot of misinformation out there about this virus and just the economic situation. So you have to kind of communicate, you know, something's bothering you, you know, talk to your partner. That's your that's your road dog, you know what I mean, so to speak. So I think communication is important. You have to have each other's back, um, you know, be that support system that the other person needs. And yeah, those would be, I think, the two main things that I say to you know, other couples. You know, you have to, because uh, a lot of folks were looking for things to kind of lean on, you know. So I think having that person next to you uh, to be that support system is, is important. Okay, Williams, can we have one person from the Williams family speak, um, well, speak to the crowd? I think you have to be a <laughs> person and you have to kind of understand who they are and accept them for who they are. Because in this day and age, we always think, okay, this is what we want. This is what I expect. But you have to put your expectations to the side and know that we're not perfect. And you just have to accept that person if you choose to be with that person. The Coopers, who's going to go? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I just wanted to say, like, never settle. That, that's like my thing. Like when I look at her and I look at where I want to be, where I am, it's like never settle. Don't settle for anything you feel is not where you want to be that's uncomfortable. I understand their situation where I've heard that um, I'm trying to help, you know, this person find their path, which that is the case that happens. But most of the time it's like don't settle for what um, is not going to make you truly happy. Because when you do settle is how you end up unhappy and end up in long relationships that are not going to really um, have you fulfilled. So I met somebody where um, I would obviously put her on a pedestal above me all the time and I look up to her. So I know that I didn't settle for, you know, the person that I wanted. Um, so yeah, I'll tell most guys out there, like don't settle or most women as well. Don't settle, look for what you want and what you need because your rest of your life is going to be with this particular person and you don't want to, you know, live a life of misery and, uh, marriages are tough and hard, which I will get to experience. Um, 
as I'm becoming more of a yes man. Um, yeah, so never settle. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Great, 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 great. I uh, will first like to thank Larissa and Michael Cooper, Ray and Wincy Williams, Augustus and Chinula Kukoya for coming on to the conversation, Outspoken and Opinionated. We had a great conversation. This was Black Love in the Pandemic. Um, I hope that you guys learned something. I hope that you guys were able to relate to them, um, get some understanding of this is what life is. And don't put yourself in a box because... Um, like I said earlier, marriage is not one size fits all. Um, there are things that might work for me and might not work for somebody with this with the same kind of um, situation. It might just not work. But again, this was the conversation. Outspoken opinion needed. My name is Edwin J. Maya. I was your host and the chief opinionator. <laughs> and so I want to tell you guys to tune back in next week, Thursday at seven o'clock. We will be on Facebook and on YouTube. Streaming live next week is we're going to be talking about the kids in quarantine, and so we have someone who is a uh, professional in cybersecurity who's going to help us to navigate the system. Because if you know what's happening right now, the kids are all going back to school; they're going to be on the internet, and you need that kind of support to help your kids navigate through the internet, keep them from all these crazy predators. Because a lot of things are going on; people are bored. It's quarantine; they're bored people, so you want to protect your kids. So tune in next week; it's going to be all about the kids. And I'm going to have someone who is, like I said earlier, who is a professional in cybersecurity. But again, this was the conversation for the Native and Outspoken Villagers. And I said, thank you for tuning in. And you have an amazing day. Good day. Thank you. Thank you.